Thanks. You can have a seat. Appreciate you coming this morning. A um, couple of things for those of you that uh, are, are watching online. Um, next week, we're going to make some changes uh, to the time on the online service. So I'll be saying more about that in our email. So if you're not on our email list, make sure you're, you're on that. And then uh, also, uh, Tuesday, I'll probably do a Facebook thing from my office just to kind of uh, talk to you about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and things like that. So uh, and then after the service this morning, we're going to have communion, and we're going to let it, the service continue to run. So if you're watching online, you want to join with us, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, this morning, we're starting a series, a new series on the parables of Jesus Christ. Uh, this series is probably going to go at least into summer uh, as, we, as we look at it. And so this morning, we're going to kind of lay all of the foundation groundwork that we need um, as we head into this uh, series, um, we have to first of all ask yourself what's a parable. And many of you, uh, particularly those of you who are my age, uh, you grew up with uh, stories like Cinderella and the Three Little Pigs. I don't even know if you can tell those stories anymore. I'm sure there's something wrong with them. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's just a whole nother world, but we grew up with those stories, and many of you, some like, like me, grew up with like Aesop's fables and some of those kinds of things. And often what it was was a story that had a moral to it. Um, parables are, are a little different. Parable has that idea of para means to come alongside. So in the idea of parables, what we're doing is we're taking a, a central truth, and we're coming alongside of it with a story to illustrate that truth. Um, that's kind of the idea. So Often in parables, they're, they're, they're made up stories, but the focus of the parable is uh, the truth. It's going to teach a lesson. There's something um, to pull away from it. Um, often the parables compare something, or you'll see uh, different analogies that way. When we talk about the parables of Jesus, it gets a little goofy, and here's why. Um, there's, it depends on which of the stories that Jesus tells you classify as a parable. So it's very hard to know exactly how many there are. Um, there are some people that they have as few as 30. There's some that have as many as uh, 42 or so. Uh, for instance, the good shepherd. Is a good shepherd a parable? That's a story Jesus told about him being the good shepherd. It's a parable. And those are the kinds of questions you get into. Uh, when you start looking at them. But parables with Jesus um, are very, very unique. They, they had to be understood. There are two levels to them. There's like a surface level, and then there's like this hidden truth level to them. Um, and they're really designed to uh, provoke questions, to provoke uh, um, answers. I, I look at it this way. Do you ever have one of those teachers who was really, really good at when they're teaching a class, they throw something out, and it piques your interest. And when the class is over, you go up and you talk to the teacher about that subject. That's what a parable is designed to do. A parable is designed to grab your interest so that you go back and ask more. To the average person, when they hear a parable, they just think it's a cool story and don't think anything about it. But Jesus starts telling parables in order to, to figure out who's in that second group. Who's in that group that says, you know what, I, I want to know more. I want to come. And they, so they come to Jesus, and Jesus 
starts talking to him that way. So one of the big questions we have to wrestle with is this. Well, if Jesus is so concerned about people understanding the gospel, why would he talk in hidden stuff? Why would he why wouldn't he just go, why wouldn't he just make it really super clear? Like the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, that's pretty easy to figure out. Um, that, that, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, that's pretty easy to understand. Why doesn't he just keep doing that? Why does all of a sudden Jesus start talking in parables? Hidden meaning kind of things. Why is he trying to hide stuff from people? And it's a legitimate question. It's a question the disciples ask Jesus, and he gives them an answer. And that's actually what's going to be our springboard this morning. Um, but before we get there, one of the things that you have to understand is you have to understand the background behind the disciples asking the question, because that, that helps lay out so much um, for understanding the parable. So in order to do that, uh, you have to go to Luke, and you have to go to Mark, and then you go to end up in Matthew. Uh, so uh, with that in mind, let me give you a background when you put all of those passages together to get you to Matthew chapter 13. So uh, here's, here's the story. Uh, Jesus is on the Sabbath. Uh, this is from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Jesus is on, the, is, is, is on the Sabbath, and he's about two years into his ministry. So for two years, up until this point, Jesus has been very clear in his teaching. Boom, 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 boom. And there's, there's, not, there's no parables at this point. It's just really clear teaching. And so on this, we get into lab, about the third year of Jesus' ministry, right in there. So now in Jesus' mind and Jesus' thought, Jesus knows that within a year or so, year to 15 months, he's going to be on a cross. So he's in the last year, really, of his ministry. Um, he's been ministering for two years, he's been teaching, he's been doing all of these things, and we're down the last year of the ministry of Jesus. And he's walking through the field one day with his disciples, and they haven't eaten. And so Jesus grabs some corn, and he pulls it off of the ear, and he gives it to the disciples, and they start eating it. Now, you need to understand that at this point in Jewish history, the Sabbath was the big deal. The Sabbath was no longer about God and worship and all that. The Sabbath was now all about rules. It was all about, did you do this right or did you do this wrong? The Sabbath had become all about that at this point um, in history. And Jesus has to confront that. And so this is the day that he decides to really go all in on confronting this. So he picks corn and he feeds. They, there's a man with a withered hand, and that guy is, wants to be healed by Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he goes, hey, is it right to do good on the Sabbath or not? Is it okay for me to heal him? It's the Sabbath. Now, even their laws said if your ox falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you can pull it out. So surely if you can save an ox, healing somebody's hand kind of makes sense too, doesn't it? So Jesus heals him. The religious leaders in a synagogue that day call him Satan for doing that. He said, 
This is only something Satan would do. This is how far the Sabbath thing had gotten out of it. And so Jesus in that passage talks about this issue of, of blasphemy. It's blasphemy to turn around and attribute Satan to something that God's doing. And so he deals with that um, in that passage. So then what happens next is Jesus basically then, um, he gets in a boat and he goes over to the other side. When he gets to the other side, there's this maniac crazy man comes running down the hill, the maniac of Gadira, and Jesus heals him. And if you remember this story, what happens is he, he was demon-possessed, and the demons asked to go into the pigs, and the pigs, he goes into the pigs, and they come all running down the hill, and all, they all drown. And then this guy becomes a Christian, and he goes in, and he basically starts telling everybody, and the people are in an uproar. Because again, Sabbath. So Jesus now heads back. Um, he gets to the place, and everybody starts crowning. So now Jesus now gets on, gets and everybody's gathered on the shore, and Jesus is in a boat teaching them. That's the background behind Matthew chapter 13. Okay? So let's read Matthew 13 so you get the story, and here's what it says. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. And he's going to give them a parable. We're not going to go into this parable today. We're going to go into it later. But he said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they didn't have any root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good ground, where it produced a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Jesus tells the story. Then the disciples hang around after class, and they said, it says the disciples came to him, and they said, why do you speak to the people in parables? Notice what his answer is. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever ha has will be given more, and they, that, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even that which they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not under hear or understand. Jesus basically looks at them and says, okay, you need to understand, at this point in my ministry... Again, he's in the last year of his ministry. At this point in my ministry, and again, I, be careful how you interpret what I'm saying. I'm not, gonna I'm not going to waste my time on rubberneckers. There are people who are now coming to hear me because they've seen the miracles and they've seen all this stuff, and they're just here for the show. So from this point on, when I speak, I'm going to speak to find out who's really interested and who will hang around after class. Those people, those people will get what I am saying. The rest of the people will just move on. It won't make a big deal to them. So what we need to understand when we talk about the parables, the parables are, are, are focused on, written to Christians who want to walk with God. It's not for the lost. 
He's writing the parables. He's using these parables to find out who wants to follow him and who's serious about following him. And he's going to take those people and he's going to teach them further because he's only got a year left on this planet. So what happens is when you start getting into parables, that's what you need to understand. Now, listen, this, this has profound implications for us because the parables are, you need to understand, when you start studying the parables, they are so controversial. Um, and, 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 and here's, here's why. Um, we like to interpret the Bible literally, but some of these are figurative stories. So when people get into this whole thing about the, the, the parables, um, they try to get all of these crazy meanings out of it. And you need to understand that while there's, there's, I've always taught you, there's, there are layers when you're reading scripture. But what happens is with the parables is people get crazy with this. And they start making it mean all kinds of crazy things. Like, you know, okay, the, the, the parable of the, um, the, the ten virgins. And all of a sudden it's like, well, the ten virgins represent the ten nations. And because it was evening, well, that means that it was in the 18th century or the 17th, it was in the Dark Ages. And in the Dark Ages, it says that, you know, there were 10 of them. So it was these 10 nations who were going to do this on this day. And it's like, you really think that the people of Jesus, they put all that kind of stuff together? That's insane. There's always, and here's what you're going to see about the parables as we get in the study. There's always one main theme. And it always has to do with salvation. You're going to see it with every parable. It always has to do with salvation. Um, now, even that, here's because let me tell you what's happening right now. In our society, what are you seeing? You're seeing a big push in, in, in Christianity for us to be socially active. And I don't care what... You, what church or whatever else, here's what you're going to hear at some point. At some point, when people talk about meeting the needs of the poor, they're going to bring up the story of the Good Samaritan. And how you and I need to be like the Good Samaritan and meet his needs. Listen, the story of the Good Samaritan, you, may that, is that a part of the lesson? Yeah, it may be sub point 50. But you want to know what the main point of the, the story of the Good Samaritan is? You and I have an obligation to share Christ with everyone. That's what it's about. Well, what about social justice? Fine, go to other passages. Don't rob that parable of its main teaching to prove your point. So when we get into the parables, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the context. And often you're going to find that it's an answer to a question or it's an answer to a heart issue that has come up. Um, when we get to the parables, here's what you're going to find. There are, uh, first of all, it's hard. I wanted to do this series and do them chronologically, but that's really hard because everybody, again, if you don't even know which ones they are and then you try to put them in chronological order, it gets really goofy sometimes trying to see because this guy's got a list of 30 and this guy's got a list of 42 and this guy puts this one as number seven and this guy puts this one as number five. So, so, you know, I'm going to get close, all right? Um, and some of the parables, they're better when you deal with them as, as a theme. For instance, some of the parables, are the, the focus is forgiveness. And there's two stories maybe in Christ. He taught early in the life of the parables and late in the life of the parables, and they have the same message. So sometimes you, we're going to focus on the theme behind them. Um, some parables, a lot of the parables are only mentioned in one of the Gospels. 
Um, I don't believe, again, John tends the question, but I don't believe there are any parables mentioned in the book of John. Now, John presents Jesus as the Son of God. Okay? And so um, when we look at the parables, we're going to look a lot at what the writer is doing. So, for instance, um, the kingdom of God is like? Well, you're going to find all those parables in Matthew. Why? Because Matthew's written to the Jews to present Jesus Christ as King of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, King of the Jews. So, kingdom idea, Matthew. You know, the servant parables you're going to find in Mark. So, you know, as we look through it, we're going to lay out some of those kinds of groundwork for for each of the parables, and we're going to kind of try to grab on to some of those things and some of those principles as we go through all of them. So, um, with that in mind, so you go, okay, so. That all sounds great and good, and I can't wait till we get started, but if this is all the farther you're going to go today, what do you got for me? So here we are. All right? Because you know me. I, again, if the Scripture isn't practical, if you can't use it tomorrow, then we're missing something. Okay? Because the Word of God is written for us to be able to apply it. Okay? Um, so here's the first principle um, that, that, that I think will help you this week, particularly this week. All right? Um, when Jesus speaks at this point in his life, he's only focused on people who really want to listen. In other words, there are a lot of people at this point who want to just jump on the bandwagon for Jesus. And Jesus is really not interested in those people who are along for the ride. Jesus is interested in, when I go to the cross, who are the disciples who are going to will, be willing to put, give their life for me if necessary? That's who I'm interested in. So I'm not going to spend my time on people who aren't interested in that. And it's interesting, when you do a, a time analysis of the life of Christ, you find that the longer he goes in his ministry, the smaller the group that he ministers to. And by the time you get to the cross or Calvary, he is focused really on about 12 people. And out of those 12 people, he's really zeroed it down to three. And if you do a time analysis of the life of Christ, you find that a majority of his time was not spent with the crowds. A majority of his time was spent with Peter, James, and John. Why? Because as Jesus comes further in his life, as he gets further closer to the end of his life here on this earth, He's focused on people who really want to hear. Here's why I say I think that is so applicable this week. Do you know how much time we waste on issues trying to convince people who don't want to listen to listen to us? Why do we do that? Why do we spend so much time on all of these political posts and we're spending our time, our energy, our effort, our emotional stability on, you need to know this. No, I don't. I disagree with you. But I'm going to convince you. No, you're not. When was the last time somebody on the opposite side of a political issue convinced you of something because of one of their posts? Well, I just, I just thought they were an idiot, so I ignored them. What do you think they're doing to your posts? 
And why do we spend so much time, energy, and effort on things that don't matter? Because Jesus, as he comes to the end of his ministry, goes, I'm going to make this time count with people who are really going to carry forward the message that I have come to this earth to bring. And I think what happens is we get so caught up in our culture and we get so caught up in this social media thing that we put our time, energy, and effort into that. Here's a question for you. You died today. What was your last post on social media about? What was the last thing you said to your world of social media people? You know, you know, but I mean, it's got to be, you know what I'm saying? You know, I want it to be about my family. I want it to be about something that was important to me. I don't want it to be about politics. I don't want it to be about something that, 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 that just, I want it to be something that, you know, if I died today, you know what my last social media post was about? You ready for this? A really cool video of a guy doing an incredible drywall ceiling. Because I just thought that was awesome. I'm like, you know how much work that took? You know? You know, the poor mutter and taper who had to come back behind this guy. You know? Because I was just fascinated by it. And people go, well, there's nothing but junk on my social media feed. Yeah, okay, let me explain something to you. It's because you keep watching junk. I look forward to going on my social media. You know why? 70% of it has to do with glass. Awesome. I see really cool things that people are doing out there. And it's inspiring. It's challenging. It's fun for me to watch. You go, well, don't you get the political stuff? If you scroll past it and if you don't click on it, Facebook goes, hey, I want the eyeballs for as long as I can, I don't need to keep showing them that stuff. So you know what they've learned with me? Throw something about glass on there and he'll keep watching. You bet I will. You bet I will. Why? Because that's what, is this making sense to you? And the reason some of you are so frustrated and everything else with everything that's going on in the world is because that's what you continually feed yourself. And Jesus came to a point where he said, you know what? The last year of my ministry, here's what it is. I'm going to sort out who really wants to follow me and who doesn't. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to tell parables and I'm going to hide the meaning in it. And the people who really are interested are going to come to me afterwards and want more information. And those people, they'll be given much more, 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 and more. And the people who just want to rubberneck and look at it and move on, then I don't have to spend the time there. And I think there's a great lesson for us, because you know what's going to happen this week? We have an inauguration this week. I guarantee you it'll push. If, you've got, if you're the political world, it's going to push every button you have. Because there are going to be people who are like, yay, Ron. There are going to be people who are like, this is the worst thing in the world that ever happened. And it's going to, you're going to do, fight everything in you to fight. And here's what I'd say. Before you post this week, just ask yourself this. Is this really a good use of my time, energy, and effort? Because Jesus comes to a point in his ministry where he says, I'm going to zero in on the people who really want to be my disciples from this point on. 
And those are the people I'm going to grab the attention of. Second thing is this. What you're going to find fascinating with the parables is this. Jesus takes everyday common things that everybody knows about and draws spiritual principles from them. You read one this morning. Seed. Everybody in this culture planted some kind of garden. They planted something because they didn't have the, the they didn't have the Walmarts and the Costcos and the, the, the fairways and all of the stores that you could go to. You kind of had whatever you, you made. Most of you have, at least some of you, some kind of garden. You understood a lot of this, didn't you? If you didn't understand the weeds coming up and choking it out, please see me. I want to know what your secret is. But here's a question. What's the spiritual truth? And when we get into this, we're going to, we're going to die because Jesus actually helps us understand this. He actually explains this in, in, in some pretty interesting detail. But it's got you thinking, doesn't it? When you read that, didn't you think about which seed am I? When you looked at it and you go, am I a hundredfold Christian or a sixtyfold Christian or a thirtyfold Christian? See, those are the people Jesus is trying to reach. Those are the people Jesus is working on. Because Jesus takes common everyday things. So here's my challenge to you this week, because I think we get away from that. I want to challenge you this week to find something in your world that's common to most of the people in your circle. And find a way that it ties to the gospel. Find a way that it ties to the gospel. Okay? Um, I'm just going to let me share with you something from my world. Um, Most of you know I love, Josh and I love the glass blowing thing. Haven't got to do it yet this year, but hopefully this week. Um, You know what? You know what's amazing about um, the glass thing for me? Is that I take something from nothing, blob of clear glass, and I get to turn it into something that's useful or beautiful. If I were to show you the actual ingredients that we're using, it's not really impressive. But when I show you what you can do with someone who is learning to learn what they're doing, it gets awesome. I don't care how ugly, plain, ordinary your life is. You give it to God. He will turn it into a marvelous, beautiful, incredible piece of his handiwork. I can share that with glass blowers. They relate to all of that. What's your world? Well, I, I really, really want to challenge you with it. I really want to challenge you with it. Here's why: because you'll get an opportunity to share Christ in those in, in those scenarios. You know, so take it. Take something that's common in your world, that's common in the person that you're trying to reach, and figure out what that thing is. You know, for me, I mean, it's the glass blowing thing, or I can do the the illustration with the farming, or I can do the illustration with carpentry, or or building something. You know, often when I'm sharing with somebody um, the the story of our house, I love to pull out the picture before, and I said, no one, and I bring out the before picture of our house, and I explain to people, I say, you need to understand that no one in the community thought this was worth saving. But I saw something in it, and my wife saw something in it, that even the community had 
said it has no value. And you need to know, God does the same thing in your life. You may think you have no value to God, but you need to understand he died on the cross for you, and he will make something incredibly beautiful and spectacular if you will let him. Is it making sense? Starting to click? Figure out your world. Figure out what it is, because that's what Jesus does with the parables. That's what he does. He takes these common, ordinary things, a pearl, had great value in that day. How much effort do you go to to find it? Modern day analogy. Lose your wedding ring. This is my third, well, it's my fourth wedding ring, actually. One wife, four rings. Um, okay. Uh, my first wedding ring is in a mud pit in Whitewater, Wisconsin. My second wedding ring is in a lake in Iowa. My third wedding ring is actually in a drawer because I bought this a couple of years ago and just replaced it out. But, you know, um, if I lose it, how, how, you know how much work I went to to try to find that first ring we lost? That was a ring my wife put on this finger. Um, it was a three-foot-deep mud pit, um, about the size of half of this stage. And I literally just got in there and feeling around for this little piece of ring. Never found. Jesus took that and uses it to share the gospel, to tell a story about how precious we are to find. So I want to challenge you this week to think it through. Just do common everyday thing. Common everyday ways that you can share it. And here's the other thing. The thing that you see in this story is Jesus really listens to the people and understands their heart before he tells them the parable. Um, I think that's one of the things that we forget today. We forget to really step back and ask ourselves, what's the world like of the person I'm trying to reach? What's life look like from their view? Um, you know, one of the challenges for me is, uh, uh, you know, we have children in this service. And I love having children in the service. You go, well, they make a lot of noise. It's awesome. Because it means there's life. And there's a future. And I, so I have no problem with it. I'm more distracted with the guys back there doing the video stuff than I am uh, screaming kids. Uh, because, you know, it, that's their world. But one of the things that happens with kids, thank you, amen, yes. <laughs> Raise your grandkids right, they'll agree with you always. Um, but I mean, seriously, think, you know, think about what you have to understand is this idea of you have to step into their world. And one of the things that's helped me as a pastor And that's what I want to challenge you with, because I think sometimes we just we get these little formulas on and we speak this Christian stuff, just assuming everybody gets it. Um, I, I Literally, I try to go at, I mean, every Sunday when I preach, I try to go at it with the idea of, I'm not going to assume you know the story. Some of you do, some of you don't. 
The stories I told this morning, some of you were like, oh, yeah, this happened, that happened. Some of you have no idea. It's the first time you ever heard those stories. I've got to step into your world for a moment. And I think it's so important. So take the people that you want to try to reach for Christ, and I want you to think about the idea, what's their world like? Well, they're a young person. They're just buried in their phones. All right, then figure out a way. Figure out a way to be able to relate a story to them that can share the gospel. Um, that's what you're going to see in a parable. So I just, I just, I, I want to challenge you this week. Because the reality of it is, Jesus knows that this is the last year or so of his life. You don't know what this year holds for you. You don't know what this day holds for you. So take your time, your energy, your effort, and put them in something that's valuable, something that counts. And I'm just going to tell you, there are very few people you're going to convince on social media to jump to your side of the position. Most social media is what we call an echo chamber. Most of your friends agree with you anyway. That's why you're their friends. My friends are people who agree with me. I'd say probably 80% of them. The other 20% are wrong. But the other 20% are people that I want to try to have a testimony and an opportunity to witness for Christ. So I want to be careful what I say because I still want to try to reach them for Christ. So I don't need to be offensive to them on things that really don't matter. And sometimes I think we get into this, and I want to be careful. Look, spend your time wisely. You don't know how much you have left. Step back and ask yourself this week, look, who is? how can I relate this to other people? How can I take common things? And then ask yourself, what, 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 what are the struggles of my friends that I'm trying to reach? What's their world like? Listen to them. As, as I get older, here's what I've learned. If you listen more than you talk, people think you're brilliant. Most people can figure out their own stuff. You really can. You just have to give them enough time to do it. But if you're like me, I like to fix things, and I like to fix things fast so we can move on to the next thing. <sighs> I got a long way to learn. I end with this. Matthew 13, Jesus uses parables to both conceal and reveal truth. He challenges listeners by telling them parables related to common, everyday things and relates it to spiritual truth. Jesus seeks out those who genuinely want to know him. And he spends his last days helping people grow in their knowledge of him. We need to be doing the same. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Thank you for the day, for this series. Lord, would you open our hearts? May we learn. May we be more concerned for the salvation of the lost people that, that we run into every day. May people be able to see Christ in us this week, Lord, in the way that we respond, in the way that we talk, in the way that we deal with one another. And Lord, when it is all said and done, may we be able to look back and see fruit, some 30, some 60, some hundredfold, where, Lord, you have allowed us to be the seed in someone's life that 
they were able to impact others for as well. So, Lord, just use us this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together. We're going to sing. Uh, we're going to sing the first and the last verse. Lead me to Calvary. Let's stand as we. Thanks. You can be seated. Um, lest I forget. Um, Taylor, throw up that, uh, there's another slide in there. See where it says uh, communion? There we go. That's the one I wanted. Lest I forget. Um, I've learned that the older you get, the more you forget. Okay? Uh, and... Uh, um, there's some good and bad in that, because sometimes I can just look at my wife and say, honey, I know I told you that. You've just forgotten it. Uh, but uh, she's catching on quickly. Uh, this idea of remembrance is important. That's why it's interesting. When Jesus meets with his disciples for the last time at the, at the Lord's Supper, he keeps saying, this do in remembrance of me. He doesn't want us to forget. We just sang about that. He doesn't want us to forget. He doesn't want us to forget Calvary. We don't want to forget those kinds of things. And you see this theme in all of Scripture. Um, you see it in, in, in the flood when, when God says, look, I don't want you to forget my promise that I'll never flood the earth again. So here's a rainbow. Every time you see one of these, it's a reminder of my promise. Um, he does it with Israel. He does it with, with circumcision. He does it with the Jordan River where they put up this pile of stones. He says, I don't want you to forget. He does it when he sets up the feast for Israel and says, every, every time you celebrate one of these feasts, I want you to remember. Um, you see it in the life of Jesus when he's with his disciples. And he goes, I don't want you to forget. I want you to remember. So you're doing this in remembrance of me. And so this morning, I just want to challenge you with that idea. The idea that as we take communion this morning, we're remembering his body 
which was broken for us. His blood, which was shed for us. And I love the fact that we do this every week. Because we don't want this to ever get old. And we don't want to forget. And so the question that I ask myself as I take communion each week is this. Lord, am I reflecting in the way I live my life this week? Am I reflecting well on you, on the cross, on what you did? And people see Christ in me. And I, I have to admit, as I look at this week, there's some things that, no, I'm not too proud of. And so... I ask God, forgive me of that. I ask God to help me as I live this week. This has nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with fellowship. The same way with my kids. When my kids were growing up and they did something that they weren't supposed to do. I didn't banish them from the house. It wasn't about fellowship or it wasn't about relationship, whether or not they're still my children. It was about fellowship. It was about us having a good relationship and open communication. And when they say, okay, Dad, I'm sorry, I won't do that again, now we can build back up the fellowship. And that's the difference. So as I come into communion, communion is about my fellowship with God. So if you're a believer here this morning, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you're online, you have that relationship with Christ, we encourage you to do this with us. Because we do it in remembrance of what he did. And so if you're a believer, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, remember, he gave you salvation. So let's honor him in the way we live our lives this week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. May we never forget. Use us. And thank you for this time. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming. Lord bless you. Have a good week this week. Don't, don't fall into the trap of letting circumstances this week determine your walk with God. All right? Lord bless you. Have a good week. We'll see you next week.